Good morning, church. We're so happy that you're here with us this morning. Let us begin our service today by standing up together and singing that your grace is enough. as we are in his presence this morning.
Thank you. You may be seated for just a moment. Good to see you this morning. Appreciate you being here. I want to say a special welcome to all of you who are our honored guests and special guests today. We are so proud to have uh, Mr. Elijah Chow leading us in worship today. And guys, can I tell you, it can be very nerve-wracking to come in with people you've never met before, never seen before, and to lead. So we appreciate you being willing to do that, brother. Thank you so much. We uh, glad to have him with us. And over the next couple of weeks, we got some other young guys that are going to be coming in and leading us. And I hope that you'll welcome them, uh, make uh, Brother Chow feel welcome this morning and those others as they are coming in. I hope you picked up a bulletin on the way in. All the announcements there are extremely important. And we want to make sure that you are aware of everything that's going on. Uh, one that um, I think Brandon wanted me to make sure you knew about was the Parents' Night Out. Uh, it's the very top of the page on the right-hand side there, uh, Saturday, March the 23rd from 5 to 8 p.m. Uh, Miss Becky Elkins and Miss Heather Hartzell are putting that together. They need some volunteers. They need cat herders. So if you're a pretty good cat herder and you're willing to help them out, uh, they would appreciate that very much and if you have a cat bring it and they'll hurt it for you on that day all right but uh it's a it's always uh we've done this one time before and i think it was a great blessing to all the parents who brought their kids and and so i hope you'll you'll pray about uh being a part of that and helping out with that uh and if of course if you have children this is a great opportunity for you to drop them off to be taken great care of while you uh, enjoy some time to yourself so keep that in mind, if you will, and please make sure you keep up with all the other announcements that are on uh, your bulletin there. And at the end of service today, we got a very brief uh, time of conference, and uh, we'll be going through some things. we got our music team, search team, that we're going to be approving today, so we'll be giving you those names in a little bit, and a couple other small items of business we need to take care of. But thank you for being here today. God bless you. Uh, want to excuse all of our kids for children's church. So uh, if ages three through grade three, um, if you will, uh, make your way to the back back there and uh, we'll get you to, your, to the kids' church. And just so you know, we're trying a new system downstairs where uh, you can fill out a Google Doc with the information about your child if they are in the nursery and or part of the children's church. That gives us information on your child. So if there's any food allergies or anything like that, we know about that. We know how to get in contact with parents. And so uh, be patient with us as we're working on that downstairs. If your child has gone to kids' church, they're directly uh, below us here in this building in the basement next to our nursery is the kids' church room. You can find them there after service today, and we'll be glad to direct you to that room. Let's take just a moment to pray together, and then we'll uh, move on uh, during our time of worship together. Let's pray. Our Father and our God, truly, your grace is enough. Lord, we, we know that we can work and we can try and we can toll and we can labor we can do all those things to try to earn and merit salvation. But Lord, at the end of the day, all of that falls flat. All of that falls short. Because your grace is enough. That it's only through your grace, and through the shed blood of Jesus Christ, through the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, 
that we can know you and have a relationship with you as our Heavenly Father. So God, today I pray that we lean heavy on that grace, that we embrace it with our, with our whole faith, knowing that your grace and your grace alone can bring salvation to our souls. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to be in this house of worship today. We thank you for bringing our brother with us to lead us in worship today. We pray for him, Lord, that uh, as he leads us today, your Holy Spirit will lead him. And God, that he'll lead us through that overflow. We thank you for the privilege of being able to fellowship with our brothers and sisters in Christ this morning. We pray for those who can't be here because of illness and sickness. Lord, we pray for them. We pray for healing, restoration. We pray for uh, that, that just renewal of their strength that only you can give. Guide us in our time together today, Lord. We just want to see Jesus high and lifted up. We just want to be able to worship the name above every name. We want to proclaim your great glory. We want to be able to, to join our voices together in song, to join our hearts together as we study your word and worship around your word. We want to be able to be one body proclaiming the greatness of our God and the glory of our Savior. So lead us in all that we say and do today is our humble prayer. In the precious name of Jesus, amen. Let us stand up together once more as we continue with our worship. And as we are standing, I would like to read from the passage of Psalm 103, verses 1 through 2. Praise the Lord, O my soul, all my inmost being. Praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. As we continue, as we continue to sing, let us remind ourselves of the reasons to bless the Lord, because every blessing that he gives us, he has made himself revealed to us, that he is there for us whenever we need him. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, O oh my soul, worship his holy name, sing like never before, O oh my soul, I'll worship your holy sun comes up, it's a new day dawning, it's time to sing your song again, whatever may pass and whatever lies before me, let me be singing when the evening comes. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, O oh my soul, worship His holy name, sing like never before, O oh my soul, I'll worship Your holy name. Your in love and you're slow to anger your name is great and your heart is kind for all your goodness 
Yes, I will keep on singing. Ten thousand reasons for my heart to find. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, O oh my soul. Worship His holy name. Sing like now. strength is failing the end draws near and my time has come still my soul will sing your praise unending ten thousand years and then Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for this opportunity to acknowledge all that you have done for us and uh, that we are able to give back just a small portion of what you've given to us. And God, maybe we, may we be diligent and wise with what we do with that. May it expand your, your holy kingdom. And Lord, as we continue with the service and as we leave these walls. May we remember what your 
what David wrote many, many years ago, Psalm 1914, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of our heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. And it is in that holy name we pray. Amen.
church you may be seated thank you brother Elijah I appreciate that so much again it's good to see you here today and I'm so glad that you're here and uh, I pray that you've had a great week and that everything is going well with you and if it has then you're in the right place this is a great place to celebrate what God has done well, maybe you've had the opposite kind of week, and it's not been such a great week. You're in the right place, because this is the place we come for encouragement and hope and healing from the wounds of the world. Today, we're going to be in Nehemiah chapter number 6. I want to invite you to join me there as we continue our look at God's plan and my purpose. Uh, and working our way through the book of Nehemiah. Today I'm going to just read the first nine verses. However, we're going to be looking at uh, parts of the entire chapter of chapter number six. God's plan, my purpose. And today we're answering a question as we have every Sunday. We've posed the question and then allowed the scripture to answer it for us. How do I respond? How do I Respond. Nehemiah chapter number 6, beginning in verse number 1, the Bible says, Now it was reported to Sambalat, Tobiah, and to Geshem the Arab, to the rest of our enemies, that I had rebuilt the wall, and that no breach remained in it, although at that time I had not set up the doors and the gates. Then Sambalat and Geshem sent a message to me, saying, Come, let us meet together at Shephram in the plain of Ono. But they were planning to harm me. So I sent messengers to them saying, I'm doing a great work and I can't come down. Why should the work stop while I leave it and come down to you? They sent messages for me four times to this manner and I answered them in the same way. Then Sambalat sent his servant to me in the same manner a fifth time with an open letter in his hand. And it was written, It is reported among the nations that Geshmus says that you and the Jews are planning to rebel. Therefore, you are rebuilding the wall, and you are to be their king according to these reports. You have also appointed prophets to proclaim in Jerusalem concerning you. A king is in Judah, and now it will be reported to the king according to these reports. So come now, let us take counsel together. Then I sent a message to him saying, Such things as you're saying have not been done, But you're inventing them in your own mind. For all of them were trying to frighten us, thinking they will become discouraged with the work and it will not be done. But now, O God, strengthen my hands. Let's pray together. Father, again, thank you for the privilege and honor that is ours to be in this house of worship. Thank you that you are 
our God, that you are the God who said, let there be and there was, that you have all power, all might, all authority. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that as our Savior, that today you meet with us in this place to guide us to truth, to show us your glory, to reveal to us your plan of salvation for our life. And Lord, today we just pray that as we, we study this, this event in the life of your servant, Nehemiah, that you will inspire us through the Holy Spirit, God, that as we face the same attacks as Nehemiah faced, that we too will be encouraged by your word as how we are to respond. That God, you give us strength, you give us courage, and that through the power of your Holy Spirit, you give us the words to say in response to those who choose to attack. And we thank you, Lord Jesus, you gave us the perfect example of each of these and how you lived out the perfect plan that the Father had for his son's life. And you showed to us God in flesh so that we could know and learn from your example. So give us courage today, Lord, as we study your word to embrace these truths into our lives and use them as you have led us to do so. We love you. We praise you. Guide us is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. At this point in Nehemiah, in the book of Nehemiah, the wall was pretty much rebuilt. The only thing that Nehemiah says that was left to do was to actually set the doors in the various gates. So while the, the, the wall itself has now been completed, and let's remember uh, that this wall was 39 feet high. It was 8 feet thick. This was an impressive uh, work that God had done through Nehemiah and his people. But yet still, even though all the wall had been rebuilt, there was still an opportunity for breach because the doors of the gates had not been hung at this point. We've met those who lead the surrounding provinces who were opposed to the rebuilding of the wall. And the two primary leaders that we've met so far of these opposing provinces was a man by the name of Sambalat who led the Samaritans and a man by the name of Tobiah who led the Ammonites. But we did note that on every single side, all four sides of Jerusalem, there are those leaders who are against the rebuilding of this wall. Now, so far, they have threatened the people of Jerusalem with the talk of a full-on attack against them. But that didn't stop the building of the wall. They continued to build even though those attacks had been uttered. We read where Nehemiah said that he posted people with, with their weapons to watch day and night. And there were others who would work with one hand while carrying a weapon in their other hand and so even with all of these threats of an attack it didn't stop the building of the wall so then they tried to intimidate the people of Jerusalem by questioning their abilities and questioning their building materials questioning their workmanship 
You'll recall that even one of these leaders who opposed Jerusalem uh, made the, the scathing remark that even if a fox were to jump against the wall, the wall would fall because these aren't wall builders. These are common men. These are uh, farmers and, and these are merchants. They're not construction workers and so surely they can't build a wall that's adequate, so they tried to intimidate the people, but even that didn't stop the rebuilding of the wall. So they went to their third attempt. In their third attempt, they tried to turn the people in Jerusalem against each other. They tried to divide and conquer, if you will. You'll remember we talked about that, uh, that, that there were those who were loaning money because they were, they were the more wealthy of the Jews there. And then there, there were those who were borrowing the money that were the poor and the needy. There was a famine. They needed food. And so they were borrowing and exchanging money. But in violation of God's law, the wealthy were charging interest. And not just any interest, but exorbitant interest to those who didn't have it to pay. And we know that God handled that and that he brought the people together. And that didn't stop the rebuilding of the wall. I want you to see that the, the enemy is relentless. You and I have an enemy that despises us. Some call him Satan, some call him the devil, some call him Lucifer. Whatever name you may choose to call him, the truth is he hates you with a passion. Every time he looks at you, he sees the image of God and that angers him, makes you and me the target of his attacks. And so the enemy is relentless. They, he, he tries and he tries and he tries over and over again to, to dissuade the people of God here in Jerusalem from fulfilling God's plan and God's purpose for them rebuilding that wall. If only he can just, if only he can get in their heads, only if he can, if he can get in there enough to intimidate or scare or whatever it may be so that they'll stop, he will have accomplished his purpose. These enemy leaders that are being used by the, the great deceiver and the great enemy of our souls that are surrounding Jerusalem, these enemy leaders start to realize that once those gate doors are in place and the new rebuilt wall is completely closed in, that their access is now denied. They can't just walk in to Jerusalem as they would have been able to do before. And so... They've got a last-ditch effort they've got to come up with. There's something that we've got to try one more time to, to stop this. So in a last-ditch effort, they decide they're going to attack Nehemiah personally. They go after the leader. You see, a lot of times that, that seems to be the way the enemy works. If, it, if we can just get the leader to fall, if we can get the, the one that everyone's looking to for direction, if we can get that person to, to compromise, we can get that person to fall, then everything else will follow suit. So they begin to attack his character. They begin to question his motives. Their plan as it was, was to cause the people in Jerusalem to lose confidence in their leader. If we can just get the people to lose confidence in Nehemiah, that will halt whatever's left in the rebuilding of the wall. 
if they can discredit him, if they can undermine his character, then the people will turn on Nehemiah and the wall will, will remain unfinished. So there's three ways that they attacked him. And, and I want to share this because can I tell you something? The enemy that is attacking Nehemiah is the same enemy that, that will attack you. It's the same enemy that it will attack you. Know that it may not be the person named Tobiah or Sambalad or Geshem or, or, or whatever their particular given name may be. But let's remember that we wrestle not against flesh and blood. We, this was not a, a physical matching of minds. This was a spiritual battle that the people of Jerusalem were in, it found themselves enthralled in with those who surrounded the city. So there's three ways that he, had, he was attacked. The first way, and the first attack was by rumors. Can, can I put it in today's vernacular? Gossip. Let's, let's call it that. Let's call it gossip. And we read about it in those first nine verses. And, and, and can we just be honest? Gossips can be vicious, can't they? Very seldom do gossips verify the information that they're, they're talking about. Very seldom do gossips authenticate what they're sharing with other people. They, it just sounds juicy. It just it sounds enticing. It, it, it sounds like something people need to know and want to hear. And so, so those who like to gossip, they, they can't wait to share it. And that's basically what we see takes place here. Sambalat sends Nehemiah an open letter. Now, he sent previous letters, and in each of those letters, he's trying to lure uh, Nehemiah outside of the city gates so they can do him harm. Nehemiah sees through that, and he won't fall for it. So finally, Sambalat says, well, I'm going to send, I'm going to send an open letter. Now, an open letter is, is just a, a leader's way of, without it being sealed with their signet, of making sure that anyone and everyone can read that letter. It's not, a, it's not confidential. It's, it's not of, of, the, of classified information. It's, it's sent as an open letter because they want to make sure that anyone and everyone that wants to read that letter can read that letter. And that's the kind of letter he sends. And his letter begins, and can I paraphrase it? His letter begins with, with this. Here's what everyone is saying about you. Here's what everybody's saying. Here's what everyone's talking about behind your back. Here's what, can, can I give you the word on the street, Nehemiah? Can, can I tell you what's being said behind your back? Now, I'm doing you a favor by telling you this, by the way. Yeah, I mean, he, 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 he wants Nehemiah to think that, right? I'm doing you a favor. I'm going to tell you what they're saying behind your back. The word is out about you, Nehemiah. You're not fooling anybody. Everyone's talking about your real motivation for building this wall. Yeah, we, we hear all of your, your big talk about removing the reproach against the God of Israel. We hear all of your big talk about bringing glory to the one that you worship as God. But we know what's really going on, Nehemiah. You have not fooled anyone. And everyone is talking about you. Yeah. Now listen, we knew the people of Jerusalem knew the truth. And we certainly know that God knew the truth 
and that the truth was the furthest thing from what Nehemiah was being accused of. But I'm going to tell you something that I told my kids when they were younger. I'll share it with you. A rumor doesn't have to be true to ruin someone's reputation. A rumor doesn't have to be true to ruin someone's reputation. It just has to be repeated and believed. It just has to be repeated and believed. See, the enemy of your soul loves to whisper in the heart's and in the ears and in the minds of those who have something against you. And he loves to whisper these these untruths into their heart, into their ears, into their souls, with, with the intention that they will simply repeat that rumor to someone who will in turn repeat it to someone else, who will in turn repeat it to someone else, who will in turn repeat it to someone else until finally the rumor has spread and the reputation is ruined by an untruth. We we know that that is often how the enemy works is through the gossip and rumors that others are more than willing to spread. And, And can I say we need to be careful as believers because... Can I tell you the, can I give you the Christian method of spreading a rumor? Prayer request. Pray for Brother Jerry. He's drinking again. Now, is he drinking again? No, Jerry don't drink. Dr. Pepper. Uh, Pray for Brother so-and-so and and Sister so-and-so. I hear they're having trouble in their marriage. Mm-hmm. That's what I heard. Pray for so-and-so, so-and-so. I hear that they have uh, maybe gotten involved in some things they shouldn't have gotten involved in. Isn't that the way we kind of gossip as, as the, in the church sometimes? Sometimes all we need to say is just pray for Brother Jerry. Sometimes all we need to say is pray for this young couple. Sometimes all we need to say is pray for that individual. But when we step out of that into, here's why, <laughs> it's kind of juicy. You might want to know why you need to pray for them if you're wondering. I know, I know you're thinking, well, what's going on with them? Well, I just happen to have inside information. I just happen to know what's really going on, so I'm going to share it with you. Okay, here's why you need to pray with them. We have to be careful, folks. Should we pray for one another? Absolutely. Don't ever stop praying. For those who need prayer. Don't ever stop requesting prayer for those who need prayer. But be careful that the way you do it and what you're sharing is godly information. And not just rumor and gossip and something juicy that someone needs to be able to pass along to others. I want you to notice Nehemiah's response. It's in verse number 8 and 9. He said, I sent a message to him and told him. Uh, you're telling a lie. I haven't done these things and you're making it up. But then don't miss in verse number 9 what he did. He did what he always does. He began to pray. He began to pray. 
He began to pray, God, there, there are these things that are being said that you know are not true, that many of the people in Jerusalem know that aren't true, but, but God, it could be devastating to your reputation. It can be devastating to the reputation of, of the people of Israel. It can be, it can be devastating to Jerusalem. Lord, I'm praying you give us strength to stand against the untruth. And Lord, quieten, quieten the lips of those who spread the gossip. Listen, don't be found guilty of gossip. It's our human nature, isn't it? We hear something that sounds juicy and good and interesting and we can't wait to tell somebody else. And usually here's the way we start it. You didn't hear this from me. Ain't that way we start it? You didn't hear this from me. Well, yeah, I did. I heard it from you. Be careful that we don't become an agent of the enemy and spreading rumors through gossip. But then there's another way that they attack him. And that's with deception. Look at verse number 10. In verse number 10, the Bible says, When I, when I entered the house of Shemaiah, the son of Deliah, son of Methabel, who was confined at home, he said, Let us meet together in the house of God within the temple, and let us close the doors of the temple. For they're coming to kill you, and they're going, and they're coming to kill you at night. But I said, should a man like me flee, and could one such as I go into the temple to save his life? I, I will not go in. And then he goes on to say, then I perceived that surely God had not sent him, but he uttered his prophecy against me because Tobiah and Sambalat had hired him. He was hired for this reason, that I might become frightened and act accordingly and sin so that they might have an evil report in order that they might they could reproach me and then he says remember O god to buy and sample that according to these works of theirs and and also nadiah the prophetess and the rest of the prophets who were trying to frighten me so they they tried rumors and and that wasn't really deterring what nehemiah was doing so then they tried deception let's face it the the only ones buying the rumor that, that Nehemiah was doing those things and had those false motivations were those who started the rumor to start with. And so that was going nowhere. They, no one was listening. No one was biting. No one was buying it. And so they had to move on. A new plan was drawn up, and that was to attack Nehemiah's character. And, and the plan was this. Let's hire a priest from within the walls of Jerusalem and have him pretend to prophesy to Nehemiah that his life is in danger. Let's do that. Now, Shemaiah, this, this prophet that was hired by them, he pretended to be hiding in his own house for fear of his own life. So he's playing this charade to its fullest extent. He's hiding in his home and he's sending a secret message to Nehemiah. Come, come to my house. I got some, I got some grave information that you really need. And, and so Nehemiah comes and meets with him. And, and of course the, the shades are drawn. The doors are locked and the lights are off and, and everything that can be done to appear that they're in hiding. Now, if he can just convince Nehemiah that he's in danger too. And so here's Shemaiah's plan. I'm going to convince Nehemiah that God has told me that an assassin is coming to kill you that very night. God, God gave me this revelation that Nehemiah, that you're going to be, somebody's going to try to kill you tonight. 
So here's what, we're, here's what we need to do, Nehemiah. This is, and I'm going to paraphrase it again. He says, God said you and I need to go hide in the temple so that the assassin can't find us. Now, Nehemiah instantly saw two problems that he tells us with that whole ruse and deception. First, only those who were priests were allowed to enter into that inner part of the temple where he had proposed that they hide. And Nehemiah was neither a priest nor was he a Levite, so he was not, he, he was not selected as one who could do that. So for him to enter into that part of the temple would have been a sin against God. And Nehemiah recognized it as so, and, and in hearing what was said, he he thought, wait a minute, wait a minute. If I, if I do that, number one, I'm going to desecrate the temple of my God. And number two, the Jews that are, are depending on me and following me, those who are looking to me for leadership will see me desecrate God's house and they will turn against me. This cannot be God's will. Can I tell you something? God's never going to tell you to do something that violates His will. He's never going to tell you to do something that violates His will. I've got to share this with you. It's a rabbit. I'm going to get it. Ready? Sitting in my office one day. Not here. Former church. A man told me out of his lips. God's told me I need to leave my wife and go be with this other woman. Really? Are you sure that's what he told you? I, I'm sure, man. I've been praying about it. Uh, it's just tearing me up. I've been praying about it really. You know, just seeking God's will, and I think he wants me to leave my wife and go be with this other woman. And I told myself, you might be listening to a God, but you're not listening to the God. Because that violates God's will. And God's never going to tell you nor anyone else to do anything that violates his will. Because God is pure, God is holy, God is just, and God is righteous. And he's never going to tell you to do anything that will violate his holiness, His justness, His righteousness. He's not going to tell you to do that. And so immediately Nehemiah goes, whoa, 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 wait, wait a minute. You, you mean to tell me that God's telling you that you and I, now you're a priest, I'm not, but God's telling you and I that we need to go hide in the temple. There's some, you know, ding, 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 red flags, bright lights. There, there's something wrong here. And so he understands that God's never going to ask him to violate his will. And so he knows that that's not true. The second problem is, Nehemiah says, If I'm seen running and hiding into that temple, I've been talking to these people all of these 50 plus days about being standing in faith in the God who has called them to do this. I have been preaching to the people over and over again. Don't fear the enemy. Stand in faith with God. God is with you. God is for you. God has given you this task. And he wouldn't have given you this task if he wasn't going to see this task through. So stand in faith. And if they see me running the temple, then I have just de declared by my actions that I don't have faith that God can protect me. And Nehemiah said, that's not what God wants either. So immediately, he began to see that this was a deception. Nehemiah wanted his testimony to proclaim his undying faith in the God who sent him to Jerusalem. 
He wanted his life in every single way to, de to declare and to proclaim that, that he knew that there was a God in heaven and that God in heaven was all-powerful and almighty and, and all-knowing and that that God in heaven was with him and was guiding him and leading him. He wasn't doing this on his own. He was doing it because he was following the plan of God and he did not want his testimony to taint the name of the God of Israel. His testimony was worth more than his life. Should it have been true that partly that an assassin was coming? Should it have been true partly that an assassin was going to make an attempt on his life that night? He, he chose to believe that if, if it is God's time for me to leave this world, then that's fine. But if it's not, God will be with me. He chose to stand in faith and protect his testimony. So deception did not work. Can you feel the frustration of these, these leaders outside of Jerusalem now? I mean, they have tried and 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 it's still not working. So they, they pull out all stops now and here's what they decide to do. We're going to go to false reports. Verse 15. So the wall was completed on the 25th day of the month of Elul in 52 days. And when all of our enemies heard of it and all the nations surrounding us saw it, they lost their confidence. For they recognized that this work had been accomplished with the help of our God. Also in those days, many letters went from the nobles of Judah to Tobiah, and Tobiah's letters came to them. And for many in Judah were bound by oath to him because he was the son-in-law of Shechaniah, the son of Ara, and his son Johanan, and married the daughter of Meshulam, the son of Berechiah. Moreover, they were speaking about his good deeds in my presence and reported my words to him. Then Tobiah sent letters to frighten me. They tried one more thing, false reports. You see, Tobiah had allies within the walls. Have you ever heard the old saying, blood's thicker than water? Well, he had, some, he had some blood and water inside the walls of Jerusalem. Some people that had extended family ties, if you will. And that gave him eyes and ears inside the walls of Jerusalem. Now the doors are hung. The walls completed. The project is complete. You would think that that would be that. The end of all of the attacks would just end. But instead, Tobiah begins to send letters to those who were under oath to him. And here's what he's telling them. Talk me up to Nehemiah. Tell him what a great guy I am. Build his confidence in me. Make him think that I am someone that is worthy of his alliance. Make him think that I'm really this great guy. Will you do that? Will you talk him up? We talk me up to him and make him think that I'm this great guy. They were to convince Nehemiah that Tobiah really was a good fellow, by the way. Now, he may have kind of, you know, said some things he shouldn't have said. He may not do things the way we do things, but he's really not a bad guy. You need to give him a shot, Nehemiah. But then Nehemiah would refute their claims based on his experiences with Tobiah. He would say, now, wait a minute, is this the guy you're talking about that spread rumors about me? I don't think that's such a great guy. Is this the guy that was threatening to attack us? 
that doesn't sound like such a great guy. Is, is this the guy who was laughing at us and laughing at the people in Jerusalem? Doesn't sound like such a great guy to me. In other words, he would refute these good reports. And so here's what would happen. The people that were getting these letters and talking Tobiah up with Nehemiah would then send a letter back to Tobiah and says, well, listen to what he said about you. <laughs> he said, you're a liar. You're a cheat. He said, you're, a, you're an ingrate, that you're deceptive. He said that all you want is to do harm. I, I mean, can, here's what he said about you. Does that not sound like middle schoolers in my fence? And I want to apologize to all the middle schoolers in here. Does that not sound like middle schoolers? You know, Johnny really likes you. You need to go with Johnny. Hold his hand in the, you know, in the hallway kind of thing. And, and she says, well, I know about Johnny. Johnny picks his nose. And so now, somebody tells Johnny, you know what she said about you? I'm trying to talk you up to her. And you, she said, you pick your nose. Well, I'm mad now. I don't like them anymore. Don't that sound like middle school? My apologies to our middle schoolers. That's the resort that we see Tobias sinking to. Because now that the good report isn't being reciprocated, Tobiah begins to send letters to Nehemiah saying, I hear you're talking trash about me. I hear you don't have anything good to say about me, Nehemiah. Now, Nehemiah, I, you know, I've, tried to done every, I've done everything I know to do to make peace with you, and here you are bad-mouthing me. So, Nehemiah, you know, I'm telling you what, one more, one more bad thing, buddy, me and you are going to go out in the yard and we're going to have it out. He starts sending threatening letters. To Nehemiah. Beware of those who play both sides of the fence. That's what some of these people inside of Jerusalem were doing. To his face they were saying, Nehemiah, oh man, you've done such a great job. I can't believe this beautiful wall. But behind their back they're going, I'm telling you what, Tobiah, he really is a jerk. He said all these bad things about you. He doesn't really like you. Can I say something to you? If they're saying it to you about someone else, they're saying it to someone else about you. <laughs> that's just the way it is. That's, that's the way the enemy works. Nehemiah's response, ignore them. <laughs> just ignored them and refused to fall into the trap. But then, what does Nehemiah do? Anybody want to guess? He prays. Oh, I love this about Nehemiah. This is what I love about Nehemiah. As he is, as he is attacked over and over and over again, and he responds over and over and over again, he always goes to the Lord in prayer. You see, that's godly discernment. So I want to wind this down. I want, to, I want to land this right here, okay? How are you going to respond when your character is attacked? You're a child of God. You're a follower of Christ. I hope that you are. If you're not, 
then today could be a great day for you to become one. But maybe you, you, you're saved by grace. You know you are. You've surrendered. You've repented. You've come to Christ and Him alone and laid your, your life and your faith at the feet of Jesus. And you have been saved by the marvelous and wonderful grace of God. But now the enemy is out to get you. Maybe he tried. Can I tell you something? I have not given you one thing this morning that was against Nehemiah that me and my family have not personally been attacked with. Not one thing. And can I, can I go on a limb? I bet you you've been attacked by those exact same things. I bet you you have. That's the way the enemy works. He has no trick, no new tricks, by the way. So how are you going to respond? The enemy of our souls is seeking to derail God's plan in our life and seeking to cause you to abandon God's purpose for your life. Our selfish human nature wants to lash out at those who attack us. But can I tell you, more times than not, that only makes things worse. No, we're not supposed to be doormats for others to trample. I get that. I'm not asking you to do that. But can I tell you something? Your Christian testimony is on the line with how you respond. Your Christian testimony is on the line. Jesus was attacked by every one of these methods. The religious leader said, Ah, oh, you're not fooling anybody. You're setting yourself up to be king of the Jews. You're not fooling anybody. They started rumors about him. They tried to deceive him. They sent false reports to the, to the Romans and to, to, to the Jewish leaders about him. And everything that we've said about Nehemiah, Jesus, was attacked in the same way. But yet, he kept his character as such that it reflected the purity and the mighty presence of God so that no one could say that those things were true that were being placed against him. Even as he marched to the cross to bear the sin and shame that you and I, that we own, as he went to die for you and he went to die for me, he did it in such a way that his character always pointed to the holiness, the righteousness, and the purity of Almighty God, who was his Father. And that should be our testimony. Nehemiah chose to do two things. He chose to protect his testimony, and he chose to pray. I believe that's the best way we respond when our character is attacked. He refused to let those attacking him hinder the work that God had called him to do. And he leaned heavy on the faithful arms of the God of heaven. He dug in his heels and he glorified God through his reactions. So that at the end of the day, his testimony stood clear. His testimony stood pure. He had not come to do anything of his own accord. He had only come 
to do the bidding of the God who had sent him. That's our response to those who choose to attack us. I don't know what you're going through in your life right now. I don't know what attacks you're under. Odds are, if you are truly a child of God and you're living in this day and age, your character is being assassinated in some way, shape, or form, or at least the attempt is being made. Someone's trying to paint you in a bad light. Someone's trying to make you look like you are not what you claim to be. Someone's trying to do that. How are you going to respond? You know, at the end of the day, we're going to have to stand before God one day. And we're going to have to give an account for our faithfulness. And God's not going to ask, well, what did everybody else do? How did they respond? What did they say? How did they treat you? That's not what he's going to ask. He's just going to ask, did you trust me? I saved you by my grace. I forgave you of your sins. But did you walk by faith and not by sight? Did you trust me? Today, I want to encourage you. If you're under that attack, come to the foot of the cross. Lay that burden at the feet of Jesus, who not only died for you, but rose again on the third day for you, and proclaim his victory over that attack. And then stand up, and with with God as your guide, and the Holy Spirit as as your encourager, and as your strength, walk in such a way, as Paul would say, that those who make a, 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 accuse you, those who make accounts against you, nobody will believe them because they see, your, they see your testimony. Father, I thank you that you are the God who gives us strength. Lord, I pray that you give us the courage and the faith to stand in the strength of the Holy Spirit. That when the enemy comes, accusations fly, rumors begin to be whispered, deception is laid out for us, those false reports seem to be flying all around us. That God, we stand firm in who you are, not in our strength, not in our wisdom, not in our understanding, but in yours. That we follow the example of God incarnate, Jesus Christ. That we walk in such a way that all our life can do is point others to you. That all our life can do, all our testimony can do, all our character can do is to proclaim your greatness and your goodness. May how we handle these attacks point others to you. Lord, we love you and we thank you that you are our defender, our rock, our refuge. That, Lord, you fight for us. Help us to put on that whole armor that we might stand against those attacks and that in doing so, we glorify your name. In these next few moments, Lord, help us to bring those things to you, those attackers to you, those 
those lies that are being told about us to you and lay them at your feet knowing that, Lord, only you can defend us. We love you, Lord. Do as only you can do in these next few moments. It's our prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together as we sing together.
Thank you for your singing. We'll ask you to be seated for just a moment. Uh, we have a very brief uh, business.